Welcome back to Stasis Pod, the Beast Wars podcast. If you uh, tuned in last week, you know that this is the second half of our fascinating conversation with Ben Yi. So now, the conclusion. Oh, shoot, I should have told you to do it all in Vic Caroli voice. As far as Victor Caroli, I can kind of only do it for short periods of time. It is the year 2005. <laughs> Okay, so where uh, where were we? That's a good question. I believe we were talking about uh, if you are going to hate on everything but third-party toys, why don't you just go to the third-party yeah, sub-forms? Why don't I rewind a bit? I'll rewind a minute or so, and then you know you guys can slice everything out for the last couple of minutes and then just splice this in. Um, so I think nowadays there's a segment of fandom that is very focused on – for whatever reason, expressing frustration. Now, I don't know if that's frustration with uh, things not being exactly how they want it to be. I don't know if that's a personal frustration. I can't speak to that. But whatever that frustration may be, it leads to a very, um, very stubborn and cemented mindset on many things. And, and what that means is it's harder for people to be flexible about their interpretation of what is a transformer? What does a transformer look like? Um, I think people are very married now to particular images. And that means your Optimus Prime needs to have the antennae sticking up and the crest in the center and the head. You can't give them lips. That's primal. The minute you give them <laughs> lips, that's primal, right? Yeah. They're stuck on that. Um, <laughs> So when he had lips and animated, of course, I think a lot of people had problems adapting to that. And I'm not go by the way, just to be fair, I am not excluding myself from this. There are certain things like images of Transformers that I have in my head very cemented that I have a hard time adjusting. But generally that's an old character reinterpreted in some way that I can't really get around. Um yeah. You know, I, but I will say when the uh, masterpiece Star Saber, when pictures mm-hmm. of that came out, I was thrilled to death that his antenna <laughs> were sticking out at angles. <laughs> that just was because the, there's the bit in the opening or in his transformation sequence when his head comes up, those pop out, and the old G1 toy, they were just straight up and down. So, so yes, it's in the cartoon. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I'll, I'll give you one example that's minor, but. It, I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm this paragon of flexibility. I think I'm more flexible than most, but here's one thing that kind of uh, gets me sometimes is IDW, the comic books right now, um, depending on who's drawing the issue and depending on kind of where in the timeline the issue is, characters suddenly change forms pretty dramatically. Mm-hmm. So if you kind of look at like how Red Alert was drawn very early on in the IDW books – and you look at them now, they look like two completely separate characters. Yeah. And I actually didn't realize that that was Red Alert <laughs> until someone <laughs> said his name. I was like, oh, is that who that is? I prefer his old design. So, yeah. you know, that, that's my example of being very married to that. But that said, if let's say tomorrow um, they came out 
they revealed a subline or a new line that was like trans tech levels of whoa, you know, that's different. I'd give it a chance just to see yeah. what happens. It, yeah. it it may not work. I mean, like when Beast Machines came out, arguably the Beast Machines aesthetic is very different than the Beast Wars aesthetic. Um, I gave it a chance, but to me, it was only about sixty percent successful, and the rest of the forty percent we don't want to talk about. <laughs> so... We're going to though. <laughs> I, yeah, we're getting there. I think part of the problem, and talking about things we we like and dislike the most, I. I like how the fandom was back then a bit more. I think that the fandom in general adapted to change better. Uh, I yeah. think that you always had people... I mean, Beast Wars had to win me over. Mm-hmm. Because I wasn't thrilled with the idea of them having organic parts. Because I was a weirdo and a teenager. <laughs> uh, but... And and that's the thing. Is I'm, I'm willing to... I can look back at that and see where my problem was. Uh, and that it was entirely... <laughs> just me being a weirdo uh, but but you know it grew on me and it grew on most of the fandom uh, most of the fandom even when they had their reservations and I think part of the problem now is that the fan community is so big and there's so much stuff out there that and people and I think because of the nature of fandom on the internet now versus back then I think people stake too much of their identity on what particular things they like and dislike. I think back then there was little enough of Transformers that you could be a Transformer fan, and that was enough mm-hmm. that, you know, you didn't feel like you had to stake out one particular little piece of it and hate everything else. And if you did that, like, what are you going to do? Like, only care about the Marvel comic and just ignore the cartoon? It's like, that's... You, Great, you have like 80 issues of a comic book and a couple spinoffs. Congrats, have fun with that. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I think part of it's that there's just so much content now, and I think it's because the the nature of fandom online uh, lends itself more to that sort of grouping into to clans and presenting that identity. So I think there are people who just, like consider being a third party fan a part of their identity as a fan. Yeah. And so there's... that makes it a lot harder for them to consider maybe liking some other things because they've put so much stock in this identity. I, I think there's also an element of us kind of being in a beneficial position as people who Transformers wasn't just our childhoods, it was also our adolescence, our young adulthoods, our 20-something hoods. Like, Mm -hmm. we were there through the entire thing, and we saw it change dramatically over the course of it. Yeah. So, we're used to going, okay, this is different. If it's not my thing, I'm gonna be a little more checked out for a few years, or honestly, Mm -hmm. at this point, a year. Yeah. If that, because there's two different kind of things on the shelf at once, (laughs) but I think there's also the group of people for who it was their childhood, and not even the comics and the cartoon just one or the other, mm-hmm. who then grew out of being fans of a toy science fiction property, and then hit 25, 30, had disposable income, saw a gigantic media mass promotion movie come out, and go, oh, this thing from my childhood that I loved is back. I'm going to jump back into the fandom. And then 
maybe not having that perspective on things change. It doesn't always have to be for you. It's going to change again sometime later. And just kind of that whole thing we're seeing in a bunch of properties at this point where it's just like, well, if it's not like the version that I really liked when I was a kid, they're ruining it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, what's funny is, the to me, the irony of that mindset, and you're right, I have seen it, that that mindset does exist, is that now, more than ever, ever, ever before, in the last 30 years, you have more choice now than ever before. Um, there are so many segments of Transformers product now that... I don't recall any other time in Transformers history when you could just be a collector of a segment and still be blowing hundreds, if not thousands, in a year. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You, if all you collected was rescue bots, you're still blowing a pretty good chunk of change uh, once a quarter. Uh, if you're a masterpiece collector, God help you if you collect all the variants <laughs> and the coins and – you know, oh my goodness! Yeah. Or if you're a psycho like me and you actually buy stuff from everything, <laughs> <laughs> you know, then then it's like you just see dollar signs flying, you know, out the window. The point is, it's like I I I I always feel bad because I think, and this is a lesson I took from Beast Wars: is you may not love this thing, but ask yourself, is it good for the brand? And if the brand survives there will probably come a point where they're going to make that thing you wish they made before or want them to make in the future. And time and time again, that proves itself. Hey, I never thought we were going to get Titan class figures. I thought <laughs> too much money, too much plastic. No one's going to buy it. Yet we're going – this year we're going to be on our third one. That's amazing. <laughs> I never thought we would go back to combiners because – when we got Fall of Cybertron Bruticus, that was deemed like the best we could do at the time. But little did we know, right after that came out, the Hasbro team said, we can do better. Voyager class torso, you know, deluxe limbs, let's make it happen. Now I'm up to my eyeballs in them. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, I think, you know, my take on it is, even if you don't like something, if it's successful, if it makes people happy, if it's doing good for the line, you can kind of ignore it. I don't think you have to actively go out there and trash it. And mind you, there is a big difference in my mind between trashing and constructive criticism. It okay. is constructive criticism to say that this thing is missing a paint application here. Clearly, this part was designed to be painted and they left it unpainted. That's fine. That's good criticism. But what what I can't get my head around is when people like take – you know, a photo of a third-party Optimus Prime and then Masterpiece Optimus Prime, put them side by side, and they just go, well, isn't it obvious why the third-party one's better? And I'm like, frankly, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it – it's more of a safety hazard. Is that the measure we're going by? Apparently. <laughs> I, I've been told by third-party collectors they would never let their kids near those figures, which <laughs> – Think about that statement and how ironic that is for a toy line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think Beast Wars really helped shape my mind. And you're right. What you were saying before about we grew up, we grew through it. We grew up with it alongside us. So we learned to adapt. I think you're right. And I think for me, Beast Wars was that first big lesson. Like there's more to life than 45-something-odd Autobots who become – various mechanical things and pretenders and stuff and a bunch of Decepticons. There's more to life than Action Masters and Micromasters. There's these things. And if you can wrap your head around these things, 
everything else is easy. And honestly, guys, not since the Beast era do I think anything has come out that's so radical that I've had to stretch my imagination to accept it. And it's funny how many things happen now that I can go back to almost any point between Beast Wars and now and say, yeah, that already kind of happened in blah blah You know? Uh, and it's actually <laughs> funny how Beast Wars was such a big departure from everything that had come before that most people consider Generation 2 to be part of Generation 1 now. Yeah. <laughs> even though that was literally the reason Generation... The, the thing that Generation 1 was distinguished from was, <laughs> was literally not Generation 1. But, but yeah, because it was just so, so big a departure and such a reimagining. And it, it helped that Beast Machines kind of forced us out of our comfort zone dramatically, like, one last time <laughs> before... Because you got to kind of admit, between that and then Car Robots, Car Robots, you know, Robots in Disguise, kind of brought us back to what we already knew <laughs> to a large degree. Um, and, and I think we were already comfortable with with the territory that Car Robots was treading in. And then by the time the Unicron trilogy rolled around... While it took a lot of old concepts and refreshed them in exciting ways, really the Unicron trilogy didn't do anything we haven't seen in some version of before. You know, uh, I would argue like the Minicon gimmick was basically an updated version of MicroMasters plus the Master gimmick, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, in, in in a combined form. So we got that. And I think, I think what's also happened is, and I try not to think about this too hard because I feel so old. Um, <laughs> Unicron trilogy, Car Robots era to now, it's all just been robots becoming mechanical thingies. Occasionally we get our Voyager Rhinox, our Deluxe Waspinator, but they're not really out there. Even in the comic books right now, Waspinator is not ever explicitly said to be organic as far as I know. I know Tarantulas is now, but mm-hmm. you know it's not a concept they really – are pushing in our faces anymore. So there's, we've kind of settled and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, like there's a very specific expectation people have of transformers right now. Um, And will it go? I think eventually there's going to be a shakeup. I mean, if you think about generations, we're catching up, right? Generations Mm -hmm. is getting very close to homaging the micromaster era. And yes. where are we going to go from there? <laughs> right? Ooh. So, and they're not going to do Action Masters. So. Uh, <laughs> so, they kind of know. have with, oh, what are they called? The Robot Matchers. Yeah, Robot Matchers. Or Hero Matchers. Yeah, those things. Oh, oh, yeah, well, oh, yeah. but that already fizzled, unfortunately. Well, uh, yeah. But I would, not, now, mind you, if they came out with a new series of Action Masters, I would be pre-ordering all of them. All <laughs> of them. Yes. But that's me, right? That's not the general public. But well, there's going to come a point. During- Revenge of the Fallen 2, come to think of it. Mm-hmm. All right. We got those uh, movie masters. Oh, right. Those things. I... Yeah, but I they were just it. PVC like, figures. Shit. It wasn't the fiction that they lost their transformation ability. No, no. They tried yeah. to pull that one we off again. faster, yeah. stronger, or more alive. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, uh, no Red Bull for them. <laughs> but it, uh, but, uh, it, it has been funny watching uh, younger fans on Tumblr. Uh, who came in with Transformers Animated 
and a lot of that was uh, overflow from the uh, Teen Titans fandom. And then watching how much they hated Transformers Prime when it came out. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, you precious children. <laughs> it's almost the same thing, kids. Yeah, that's the thing is it's not even that big a change, but it's the different thing, so they have to hate it. Oh, oh, you're mad because it's in CG. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> yeah, it's not all cartoony. Well, and and I hate to say it, but there's one other thing which I think predating Beast Wars we can all kind of relate to is we went through the famine period of yeah. Transformers. We yeah. we know what it's like to have a line that used to have dozens and dozens and dozens of figures laid low and only come out with maybe oh god, what was it, like twenty four figures in the whole year? Something and, like yeah, that. Yeah. You, you Not know, a lot. And, and um back then, fiction wise, what did we have? We had comic books, fan fiction, right, during the generation two era. That's it. We didn't even have a real legit cartoon anymore. You know, whereas now Thank goodness Transformers is successful as a media piece, but I there's this whole generation of fans right now that never had to experience a time when they were not rich with Transformers fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, I think, affects your perception, too, because, you know, I hate to say it this way, but it's true that when there's kind of a famine, you, you learn to you, – you focus so much more on what is in front of you, you learn to appreciate that much deeper when – you're overflowing with the media and the toys and everything. I don't know if you have as much time and, and, and effort to spend focusing on things. Now, I'm not saying you have to own every action figure, but I'm saying when you have a movie and two cartoon series and two comic books with the occasional miniseries all vying for your attention, mm-hmm. it's a little hard to be a master of all. Whereas once upon a time, as Jen, you said before, you had 80 issues, a couple miniseries, and X amount of cartoon episodes. That's it. Yeah, back you know, in the dark ages. Yeah, totally doable <laughs> to become a master of all that. But now, sure. forget it. Without the wiki, most of us would be lost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because there's, there's also the Earth Wars game that's going on. There's the Machinima series that still hasn't come out yet. Mm-hmm. We'll have like three going series at once soon. Yep. Madness. Plus the movies. Yes. One every one now, one coming every year. And you know what? People, uh, you know, the last night was just announced uh, recently. And yes. <laughs> people obviously have strong opinions on that on both sides of the, uh, the counter. My take on it is I go into movies – with very low expectations as a default setting. That way, if I'm even mildly entertained, I don't feel like I wasted my time. You know, I, I and I think that's the way you have to go in with these movies because they've proven since Revenge of the Fallen that they're popcorn entertainment. It's a lot of big booms for a couple hours and then you go home, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But the perspective I take on it, and this is where Beast Wars' legacy is still affecting us to this day is Hasbro sees Transformers as a successful brand. It is a tentpole brand. You go to any of their investor meetings, it is always front and center. When the Hasbro CEO was on Kramer recently, there was an Optimus Prime on the table with all the other brands. So the fact that they have that confidence in it is a huge deal. And the fact that the movies make the giganto amount of money they do 
That's why you have Titan class figures. That's why you have Combiner Wars. That's why you have so many segments running at the same time. If it weren't for that level of success, well, like you guys said in the beginning, poor Joe fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, could, yeah. we could be them <laughs> if it weren't for Beast Wars. Yeah. We're there but for the grace of Hasbro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and the grace of, you know, the general marketplace. Yep. Anyway, uh, speaking of Hasbro, I thought we could uh, move on and uh, talk about the uh, the toy line a little, and you know, our our favorites from the uh, the Beast Wars toy line, since it was also you know in its own way as revolutionary as the show. Oh, absolutely. Um, I would say, do do we want to do most and least favorites or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Let's let's go with least. Actually, least is going to take me a moment to think of because I love so many of them. <laughs> um, most is a toughie. I, I'm kind of torn between uh, the original Optimus Primal Ultra, the Gorilla, and Optimal Optimus uh, of all toys, uh, with Magnaboss trailing behind. Um, the original Primal, the Ultra. If you kind of mess with that toy and look at how much playability they worked into one action figure, it's kind of amazing. Uh, the transformation was very intuitive. The sculpting for its time was awesome. Um, and it, it also still has remnants of some of those initial Beast Wars concepts that got dropped later. So he has the mutant mask, you know, um, and and I love the uh, the mace that comes out of his wrist. Oh, you know, the skull mace. Yeah, there's something very savage about that. And and you could tell they were kind of going for something maybe a little more gritty sci-fi uh, initially when they designed it. And and I love that it has a little bit of that still in there. Um, Optimal Optimus, on the other hand. I think, it, first of all, that's a freaking heavy toy. I picked mine up recently, and I had forgotten how much weight that thing had to it. Uh, he's solid. He, you know, I love the origin of the character, uh, but I also love that it was this attempt of Beast Wars to go big. Uh, though, uh, to be perfectly honest, I do prefer the Primal Prime colors, um, but mm. I love that sculpt overall. Least favorite? Uh you know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stretch it here. Bazooka drives me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way he looks in both modes. I love that he's an ankylosaur. I love that his action feature is the tail swatting. But oh my god, getting him back into beast mode is uh, it's insane. <laughs> and he's such a simple toy too. So I remember that driving me crazy. And then for some reason. Um, hmm. a couple of the Fusors are coming to mind. Uh, uh, not Torka. I like Torka quite a bit, actually. Uh, I think from a stability standpoint, when they started going into the Transmetal 2 Fusor direction, some of those figures are a lot less stable than they should be. Um, also, unfortunately... We all know about this, the, the transmetal flaking uh, that occurs with some of the figures over the years. Oh, yeah. uh, that's that's also unfortunate. And uh, it is a secret wish of mine that some of those figures will 
they'll find the tooling one day and reissue them, but instead of vac metal or we'll have metallic paints like, like, uh, Takara used with their Henke releases, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. Oh, I would love that. Be lovely. I would buy them all. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, As far as my favorites go, I I really love that original Inferno. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge, awesome looking ant. It has a, like three separate action figures. He looks very close to what he uh, he looks like on the show, which I realize is not really Hasbro's uh, doing, but I I like it all the same. He has a spinning butt. <laughs> yes, yes, he does. Come on, oh, and he's got the little thing that you push, and it's just really addictive to just keep spinning it. It's so fun. And then they worked it into the show. Which, yes. yes. Come on, so great. That was how he flies. <laughs> and as far as least favorite goes, I am gonna say Armadillo. Aww. Aww. He's just kind. Of, he's just kind of unambitious. <laughs> I mean, he is kind of an adorable armadillo, but his weapons kind of just plug into his forearms. I mean, there are no Beast Wars toys I outright hate, and. I would normally say uh, drill bit, but he's so pathetic, I kind of like him. <laughs> or as I call him, peanut. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> drill and nuts. He was, as he was, he was designed Japan. improperly. He has pegs that don't go anywhere because they made some sort of mistake when they were making him. <laughs> but, I mean, he, he's, he looks like a big peanut, and he has a spinning drill, which I kind of appreciate. Mm-hmm. And I like his colors. Even though he does, and also uh, I give points for an un- unusual beast mode because I like weevils. <laughs> and he does have those cute eyes. And I don't, he has those little eyeballs. I yeah. don't know if I've ever heard anyone say that sentence before, or that phrase. I, I, I like weevils. Yeah. yeah I've heard it here first, bug, folks. I was a big insect nut as a kid. But oh, I hear they wobble, but they don't fall down. <laughs> Which is appropriate, because... Uh, and obviously, my being an insect nut helped me appreciate Drill Bit because he's both an insect and a nut. Yes. <laughs> by, by the way, as a shout out, uh, piggybacking on your insect statement, I'm not including Retracts. I know a lot of people hated him, but you, how could you hate a guy who just wants to hug everybody? <laughs> oh, yeah. He's, if I didn't say Inferno, I was probably going to say Retracts. I love Retracts. He's, he just, you know, his Japanese name is Power Hug. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Such a good toy. I only got him for the first time recently, and he's so fun. He's goofy. He's goofy, goofy fun. But you got to admit, hell of a good-looking beast mode. And he makes a good Fortress Maximus head. <laughs> and I, I love his, like, crazy gas mask robot head. Yeah, and his personality is pretty sadistic. So, yeah, he's got it all going on, I'd say. Yeah. Oh gosh, I I have a lot of favorites, and it's kind of hard to separate like sh- favorites based on show versus favorites based on just like having a, really a lot of personality in the toy. Mm. I think I'm probably going to have to go with Transmetal Air Razor for my favorite though, because I I do really like the character. She's got very pretty colors. She was the first Transformer to be designed as a female. Uh, but also, yeah, she's got very nice colors. She's got the fun little wings in the back, though, of course, there's some debate as to the best position of said wings. Uh, <laughs> uh, as for 
least favorite gosh i i would probably have to say uh tripredicus because he's just there are so many legs and they're all over the place <laughs> and he just looks like a big mass of stuff he just doesn't have he's just not cohesive at all he's the least cohesive thing i i, I can't not like tripredicus uh, <laughs> only because there's a lobster in there and <laughs> That fact amuses the hell out of me. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I mean, also that's fair. His, uh, the lobster has what I would say is bar none the best Beast Wars name. Because <laughs> it, is, it is an amazing pun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, for the, no. the uninitiated, he is C-Clamp. Yes. That's, that's the uh, now the second best lobster name. In all of Transformers, yeah, it is still the second. Yeah, uh, oh, of course, Bisque. and yes. a toy too. I'm so excited. Bisque <laughs> toys. I just want my Filch. Is he the first uh, Transformer ever named after the food you make out of his Beast mode? I think so. <gasps> yeah, possibly. I think they steered away from that in uh, in Beast Wars usually. Uh, the only other character like that I'm thinking of is uh, there was a street shark squid named Kilimari. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Hi. Okay, David okay, or Alex, uh, go. David, Alex? Uh, I was not exactly in a position to be a completist during Beast Wars, so most of the toys I had were either ones I got to see through a friend or ones that I got for my birthday that I asked for and were mostly show characters as a result. So, favorite honorable mentions go to uh, Deluxe Cybershark, who I love for having a hammerhead that just fires yeah. as a gun <laughs> and having a pretty neat uh, back cape. And honestly, if he'd been introduced in and Depth Charge was an update of him, he probably would have worked pretty well because I think there's a lot of influence going on between them. And then another honorable mention to Quickstripe, because I love those segmented arm things on anyone. And of course, by saying that, I'm kind of hinting at my favorite, which is, with an asterisk, Transmetal Megatron. He's mm-hmm. he's just perfect. He's a dinosaur with VTOL <laughs> fans and roller skates, and he's got a <laughs> giant grabber arm, and he looks exactly like the character on the show. And you can make his mouth move in beast mode, and... Oh, if it weren't for the fact that he has gold plastic syndrome and flaking chrome, he'd be the best toy ever. And that's why I haven't transformed mine in five years. Oh. Yeah. I have to say that an articulated jaw in beast mode is like the pinnacle of Beast Wars design. It's always a plus. Yes. And then I do have a least favorite, too, and it's a Transmetal 2 Cheetor. Yeah, he's... He's kind of crummy. He's hol- like he's a giant hollow chest and uh, kind of ugly even for a transmetal two. And I hate that you have to uh, pop his gun out of like a snap fit hinge in order to take it out, and that he can't hold it straight in beast mode. And uh, the one I had, his head never really stayed straight when he was standing in beast mode, and. Due to that giant hunchback, he could never really manage to stay standing up and just... And it, none of that was helped by having a decent Season 1 Deluxe and then a great Transmetal 2 Season 2 toy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. That is probably the worst Cheetor in considering how many toys he still gets after Beast Wars. That's saying something. <laughs> uh, 
I'm going to say it's slightly better than Supreme Cheetor, <laughs> if only because that thing was only ten bucks. Point, yeah. and it could stand. Yeah. But don't you want to have a house cat on your bookshelf? <laughs> <laughs> I've already got one. He's knocking all my toys down. Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, David? I skipped Beast Wars when it first came... Well, in G1, I stopped when Action Masters came out. It's like, oh, they don't transform anymore. I'm done. And then I didn't really come back to collecting until about a year before the live-action movie. But I have gotten some Beast Wars-ish toys, thanks to eBay and my local comic shop having some things. Uh, Least favorite? I don't know. I don't have that many. I kind of don't like the... Well, I have the Armada remold of Transmetal Cheetor. It's just kind of weird. I don't like his little claws, which is his mouth. But it's, oh, his, his kind of head hands. Yeah, they're kind of weird. Although, I, I suppose for a bad tour, I guess I'd have to stay like uh, the Dinobot Striker, the Stegosaur. It's just, he's weird. He's a lots of folding panels that don't align quite well in beast mode. Yeah, a lot of those dinosaurs are kind of messy. Yeah. Favorite would probably be Pterosaur or Dinotron. They're just fun and adorable little things. Now, is oh, this yeah, the, the flip the changer is super pterosaur fun. Or the, uh, the Transmetal? Uh, the original. Okay. He's, yeah, he's, he's neat. He's tiny and adorable. Like, his spring is a like little, little gun. Testy. Oh, yeah, the gun. The gun that stores away. I always like that. Yes. yes. Stuff it away. Yeah, Beast Wars definitely pioneered the sort of hidden, you know, everything integrates into both modes. Yeah. Yes, even if it results in things like Cheetor's disturbing Gut stomach gun. gun. That is that is one of my favorite Transformers weapons of all time. <laughs> this is so weird. So you know and yes. what's, what I love even more is on the show they ran with it and they actually made it his weapon and when he holds it, uh, close to the screen, like I think in Guerrilla Warfare, there's a scene where he—it's like right in front of him in the screen, and you just see all the entrails and stuff inside, uh... and it looks like an entrail-powered weapon. Yes. <laughs> so weird. Which squirts water? Yes, it <laughs> Remember, did. It's a water bladder. <laughs> oh god, that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, uh, we get a wrap right. up for so, uh, the, favorite characters. Yeah, I think is the if we do. Yeah, we can do favorite characters. Um, I'll, I guess I'll start. I, uh, you know, I certainly this time I had a greater appreciation uh, as a kid. Uh, Rat Trap was the first uh, toy I got, and he was the character I enjoyed the most because uh, he he was the wiseacre. Yeah. Uh, but this time around, I think I kind of appreciated uh, Rhinox the most. Yeah, pretty much. I, I'm basically. This. I started finally paying attention to voice actors in the middle of Beast Wars. So while watching mm-hmm. it, all my favorite characters were Scott McNeil. But, <laughs> but with this rewatch, yeah, Rhinox. I always liked Rhinox, but he's way, way more my favorite character now. Mm, he he gets more depth than you initially think. Hmm. I, I think you can appreciate his dadness the older you get. Yeah, he, he's more yeah. subtle in character <laughs> development than everybody else. Yeah. And and also, I really liked Rampage this time around. He, he yeah, is sometimes I can, inconsistently I can... characterized, but uh, certainly his voice acting is spectacular. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 
magnificent So we are still uncertain whether he is literally some sort of emotional vampire or whether he just likes talking like one. Yes. Uh, I mentioned already uh, Black Arachnia for favorite. Uh, I, uh... Yeah, I'm I'm going to stick with that. I I did like Rhinox and Optimus Primal a lot this time around, uh even though I like to joke about how they were an old married couple. Uh I I didn't like Cheetor as much as I did when I was younger, uh because I was young and stupid like Cheetor and therefore he was my favorite. Uh but but yeah, other than that, Depth Charge just wasn't as great as I remembered him being. That's... Jen, that the marketing worked on you. Don't worry about it. Just go with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The the marketing had me pegged. So uh, I'll jump in. Um, my favorite character was Rhinox from the beginning. Uh, oddly enough, I know back in the day it was pop. Everybody was Dinobot, Black Arachnia, Tarantulas. I feel like Inferno kind of had his own fan club. Like everyone kind of gravitated towards the more extreme characters. I feel like. Um, whereas for me, it was always Rhinox. And I think it was around Chain of Command that he solidified his place as the character. Because, I mean, he was strong. You know, he could probably beat any character in a one-on-one. Um, Megatron and Primal included. We saw in Dark Designs what happened. Um, he was the engineer, so he was really smart. And he was always coming up with the gadgets. He came up with Sentinel and all that. And then as soon as he whips out the chain gun of doom, I think that was it. That, <laughs> I, I was just sold. Yes. Like, and he's got that? Done. And uh, I think that's why earlier when I said, like, that Voyager class Rhinox, I, I was so happy that out of all the characters they could have chosen, they went with him. Um, so, so yeah, he, he was definitely, from the past and now, he's still my favorite. Okay. And any, I mean, there really aren't enough Beast Wars characters to have a least favorite, but <laughs> I, I do think we're all not crazy about Depth Charge or Tiger Hawk. Yeah. Yeah, they uh, had potential, but I don't consider Tiger Hawk a separate character. No, not really. Two characters yeah, they were before, and they were decent characters. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'd say my when I was a uh, watching for the first time, Brett Trap was. By far my favorite, although I liked most of the characters. And going back, uh, kind of hard to separate like favorite character hero versus favorite character villain. But uh, of the uh, Maximals, definitely Rhinox is just stand up the best one. And then uh, honorable mention to Black Rachnia, but Beast Wars Megatron, despite not being the quote real unquote Megatron, is still the best Megatron. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because mm-hmm. his place is above best character. He's best Megatron. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go. That's, that's even higher. It's You can't relate to, to him because he's so much better than everyone else. Yes. Huh. All right. All right, so I think that is... Uh... You know, that, that is a wrap on Beast Wars. Uh, ben, we'll definitely have you back sometime if you're available and uh, talk uh, Beast Machines. Sure, let me know. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I haven't watched that in ages, and I'm chomping at the bit to uh, see what I think of it now. It's such you a know, weird series. You know what? Yeah. It ages better um, if you kind of look at it as its own series. If you can divorce... Your your 
perspective from Beast Wars and your, your, your assumptions from Beast Wars, it works as a self-contained sci-fi series. And I would argue that in many respects, Beast Machines is the most sci-fi of all the Transformers series, even Beast Wars. Um, it really tried to go out there. And if you watch, you know, I don't know if I'll be able to join you guys, but I'd love to. But it, as you guys rewatch it, think of it this way. Think if Primal was still the leader of the Maximals in that series, but all the Maximals were different characters. Same personalities, but like, you know, instead of Rat Trap, he was Buzzsaw and, you know, whatever. Um, if you kind of look at it from that perspective, you think, wow, this is actually a pretty darn good show. I think mm-hmm. what sabotaged it was taking pre-established characters and changing them so dramatically. And I think it, I think there was an underestimating at the time of how attached people were. I mean, my opinion, just my opinion to this day, uh, Rat Trap was, that was like pure character assassination, you know, from Beast Wars to Beast Machines. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. if he had been a totally different character, one of the new Beast Machines characters, then I could buy, okay, there's this guy who's basically good, but he's kind of cowardly. It's okay. I mean, hey, it worked for Stampy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, but the fact that he was Rat Trap, who was this, you know, butt kicker and smart guy with all the gadgets and everything beforehand, then you turn him into this. It's kind of like, oh, well, that wasn't very nice. <laughs> yeah. So I, I will, I will yeah. say from what I recall, the characterization does work for Cheetor, though. Yeah. Yes, it does. Especially if you see his transmetal two-ization as a puberty metaphor. Which and then totally this is, was. Totally yes. was. Oh. An, an overlong I mean, two-episode puberty metaphor. They, they lampshaded that. Yeah. So, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, this is him growing into adulthood. And I don't know if you guys have the... the have availability uh, on the Japanese shows. It's a little tougher to get a hold of, but just, you know, if you ever could get your hands on those, um, that's, you know, something you guys could do on this podcast as well. That And there's so many episodes of that. You'll be doing that for a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We tried Beast Wars 2. It was not that great, which made us fearful of Neo, which we couldn't even find. No, Neo's a much better series. Um, Someday. Someday. What I what I will also tell you is, uh, uh, you could probably instead of doing them episode by episode, you could probably do them by like chunks. Yeah. You know, like the first five episodes covered this because let's face it, the plots aren't that dense. <laughs> you, no. you could summarize five to ten episodes probably in ten minutes, and then just say what did we think of this particular arc or something. Um, I would say when you get to Neo. In one day, uh, Neo is the series where it's much more serialized. It starts off as kind of funny and jokey, and we're introducing all these wacky characters. But then when they start getting into the whole Unicron thing, it takes on much more of an arc, and that's really interesting. Hmm. We, we will definitely have to check that out. Although, uh, I will say next week, we are going in a different direction and watching... Uh, how do you pronounce this? Gal Gygar. Gal Gygar. Oh, it's yes. been a long time since I've seen that. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. We uh between uh between seasons and now between series, we like to sort of check in with Japan, see what what they've been up to. So yeah, we are going to take a look at the first episode of Gal Gaigar. Yeah, after getting the- burned by the Beast Wars 2 movie. <laughs> but it had that great shot of Optimus Primal's rear <laughs> as he was walking away. Yes, he did. 
I will I will say one thing for that movie. There was some really nice animation. Like there's a lot of good like wallpaper worthy shots in that. Oh yeah. Some some yeah, segments true. in that are so fantastically animated, but they're in that. <laughs> yeah. Here. Well, I mean, you're not supposed to think about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that that just hurts you right there. Yeah. That's your problem. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Ben. We we hope to talk to you again soon, and uh, we will be back next week watching Gal Gygar. And, of course, until then, you can find us all over the Internet. We are on uh, Twitter at, at @stasispod. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash stasispod. And we're on Tumblr at stasispod.tumblr.com. And our RSS feed is hosted on iaconunderground.net. And if you prefer, you can also find us on iTunes. And uh, while you're there, please rate and review us. And uh, if, you'd like to, uh, if you'd like to tell us about uh, your... You know, if you'd like to give us your own Beast Wars wrap-up, then uh, write into the Maxim Mailbag at stasispodcast at gmail.com. If uh, you write into us, we'll read your letters on air, even if they're weird Beast Wars fan fiction. That's the Especially best. If. Yeah. And uh, one of us is a professional writer, and uh, you might get some tips. Yeah, <laughs> I, I could I could edit for you. Yay, editing. <laughs> but in, so until next week, when we go with the Gao Gygar... I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. I'm David. And I'm Ben. Yay! We did a podcast. Yay! Thanks for watching, everyone. Good. Thanks for hanging Thank around. And I'm going to hit stop and hope nothing broke. Yes. <laughs> I feel like you guys could probably snip this one into like two, right? Uh, like, maybe. Like the, sh- like the show portion and the toy portion? Uh, yeah. yeah that's... Might, that, 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 that's actually a good idea, Ben. Thank you. That will save me time tomorrow. <laughs> 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 Sorry for taking up hours of your evening. <laughs>